Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and a very good start to the holiday season to you. With the big feast just four days away, where is your Thanksgiving turkey? This is your culinary culture and lifestyle show, celebrating the holiday season with food and wine and travel and all things delicious. It's a place for people who love to eat and have a passion for cooking. So I hope you will stay tuned and set your culinary sights higher because this hour I'm sharing inspired recipes that are worthy of any celebration, dressing your holiday table and giving you a reason to overeat this Thursday. I have culinary experts and visionaries coming up with tips, tricks, and techniques to help you cook like a chef and bake like a pro, because if, like me, you are dedicated to great taste, well, then open your mind, expand your palate, and tune in every Sunday to gain delicious knowledge on the wonderful world of food. I hope to delight your palate with an endless list of recipes and seasonal food ideas at chefjamie.com. And I'm always serving up daily inspiration on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please do check it out. All right. The turkey should soon be a brining and the stuffing coming together with beautiful apples and toasted pecans. And oh, your gravy should be smooth and rich. Your sweet potatoes sweet. But when it comes to the true meaning of Thanksgiving, it really is all about pie, don't you think? (laughs) Okay, let's talk pie today because pie, in my opinion, is a love language. And making a luscious pie with a flaky crust and rich filling is a feat for most chefs. With Thanksgiving just days away, it is time to brush up on your pie skills and adopt a few chef's tips for making the perfect pie. I hope that you're taking today, Sunday, to make your pie dough in advance. Maybe you're putting the pie dough together, letting it rest, of course, in the fridge and chill down. And then you're rolling it out, laying it into your pie dishes, and then storing it properly in the freezer well-wrapped. It is a great make-ahead trick. And making really impressive pie crust can leave any great cook feeling like a magician. So let me arm you with the tools. When you combine flour, water, and butter with just a little bit of sugar and salt in the proper proportions, you should get the result of a tender, flaky pastry that will elevate just about any filling. The trick, of course, though, is in the method. A simple but precise series of steps that we can really narrow down to a science. Now, when it comes to making pastry, I'm about to share with you how really easy I think it is. Because if you follow a few simple rules, you can produce a flaky tender crust every time. Now, when I was a student at the CIA, which seems like a lot of years ago, the Culinary Institute of America, of course... I learned the foolproof pie crust formula called 321 pie dough. That's three parts flour, two parts fat, I choose butter, and one part liquid. But I quickly learned that it takes a little bit more than that because a successful baker likes precision. So you want to be sure to measure accurately. And then, of course, there's the technique. 
Now, the biggest mistake, and I repeat, the biggest mistake you can make when making pie dough is overworking the dough. Less is more, and you only want to handle it just enough to form the dough into a ball. Because remember, kneading is for bread, not for pie crust. It is supposed to look like it's barely holding together, actually. And here are the chef's tips that you should be mindful of. When it comes to making the ultimate pie dough, I will say that my other greatest trick is that the butter should always be super cold. I do recommend that you put your butter in the freezer for at least 30 minutes or up to an hour before you begin making the pie dough because, and the science behind it is this, the chunks of cold butter, when they bake in your crust, slowly release steam. And this is really important. The steam releases incrementally and it gives the gluten time to form a sort of balloon where it holds all the steam in. And that is when a good pie crust develops its rich, delicate layers of wonderful texture and flavor. Now, cold butter, a must, but I also suggest that you use ice water to mix the dough. I actually fill a measuring cup with ice and water. I let it really chill down well, and then I spoon the ice cubes out and measure again. Again, the cold temperature helps minimize the gluten development. And when you have too much gluten, you get a chewy, rubbery crust. Now, you also want to let the dough rest in the fridge after you mix it and before you roll it because cold dough is easier to roll. And when you're rolling it out, try not to handle it too much. Don't put the warmth of your hands throughout the dough for the further development of gluten once again. And if you find the dough getting too warm or the phone rang from your cousin on the other side of uh, the country and you got to talking about your plan for the big feast, well, return the pie dough to the fridge for about 10 minutes while you pour yourself a glass of wine or make some tea and then go back to it. When it comes to my last best tip for making the perfect pie, I will say that you always want to cut a vent to allow the steam to escape and to prevent the fruit juices from overflowing. And then, of course, you need a good recipe, right? Well, I've posted my foolproof pie dough recipe, a slight change from the 3 to one I've adjusted the measurements just a bit, but it is made with pure butter and the best quality you can buy, by the way. And it is super simple as long as you follow the recipe well. And once again, it is gladly shared on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen and at ChefJamie.com. As always, I'm serving up seconds there. And there are a few other things on the website you will not want to miss. Like this week, my weekly dish, fittingly, a brown butter pecan pie. Just in time for the Thanksgiving holiday, there might be nothing better than pecan pie. Those toasty pecans and the ooey-gooey mixture of caramel. And I like to add a little bit of maple syrup. But when you make the pecan pie with brown butter, it is over the top good. So steal my recipe. Also, under the Think Like a Chef feature, I have a Stuffing 101 tutorial. I've posted a cocktail you'll love, a sparkling ginger drink, and uh, my something sweet, a cranberry apple and ginger chutney. Oh, and I have some great uses for leftover cranberry sauce before the end of the hour, so don't touch your dial. Okay, it is time for food news to keep foodies in the know. I love that a restaurant in L.A. has actually sort of spread the gospel. Um, So far, 
that a ketchup company is trying to adopt their style. There is a restaurant in my hometown of L.A. called Plan Check, and they're known for sort of insane dishes. And one of their very cool innovations is ketchup leather. It looks like a a fruit roll-up, right? And it's made of solidified ketchup. And its purpose is to keep the sweet red sauce from soaking into the burger bun. So upon contact with the meat, the square of ketchup rehydrates itself. Now, I think this is brilliant, and so does a ketchup company who's working on it. So stay tuned for more ketchup news in the weeks and months to come. And uh, here's some other good food news, in fact. Hershey's has announced that their famous chocolate kisses and bars are going to be getting much less complicated. The company says that it will be dropping artificial ingredients and using real vanilla in its two chocolate candies. The change has already begun for the candy company and stores will be updated with the new Hershey's Kisses and Hershey Bars as soon as their stocks and their shelves need restocking. And so I say kudos to you, Hershey's, for taking step toward more natural ingredients. And do not touch your dial because there is so much more delicious conversation coming up. Talk about a grand lineup. Right after this break, Giada De Laurentiis is stopping by, sharing insight into her newest cookbook release just days ago. Also, Carla Hall, whom we love from The Chew, is cooking with coconut oil. She's got some great tips and tricks for sweet and savory. And my wine guru husband, Craig Bennett, will be dishing with me before the end of the hour. He is filling your glasses with the only two wines you should drink on Turkey Day. And you wouldn't want to miss that conversation, now would you? There's more fabulous food in your radio right after the break. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Life, create, and savor yours. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The Food Network's Giada De Laurentiis is a powerhouse. With her eighth cookbook having just released, two Emmys, three shows on the Food Network, plus her role as a judge on Next Food Network Star, correspondent to the Today Show. Oh, and you know she recently expanded her brand by opening her first restaurant in Las Vegas, making her the first woman with her own branded restaurant on the Strip. Very impressive. I know that <laughs> I know that there are many fans out there, um, and I have been a fan and a loyal viewer since the beginning. At the end of a busy day, though, Giada says that she's happiest when she's in the kitchen, and I think it shows. We've watched Giada De Laurentiis's career blossom over the past ten years, watching her nurture her daughter, her pride and joy, and share countless recipes. So fans rejoice because Giada is inviting you to get to know her as never before. The Celebrity Chef is back with nearly 200 new recipes and helpful advice, drawing on some time-saving tips, her healthy eating strategies, and more. And 
literally cooking to the highest possible level as a working mom, a restaurateur, a TV personality, and more. The cookbook is called Happy Cooking, and Giada has stopped by to dish. I am so glad to have you back, Giada. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, <laughs> I'm good to be back. Thank you very much. Um, congratulations. Another very impressive, inspired cookbook. Um, but a very personal glimpse into your food and your heart and your kitchen. And I have to imagine it was a very cathartic process writing it for you. It was a very cathartic process. Yes. Um, I say that um, all of my books are sort of um, different stages. They all represent different stages in my life. <laughs> and, I've, and I think, you know, we are all sort of ever-changing mm. and evolving as human beings. And so these cookbooks represent that evolution in my life. Yes. And this one is sort of... Um, a different milestone for me in the sense that, you know, after having been married for 11 years and being uh, with my ex-husband for about 25 years since I was 18, this was sort of a a very big shift in my life. Mm. Um, And so I took some time sort of away and uh, hunkered down and sort of did a lot of cooking on my own and and with my daughter Jade away from the cameras and stuff and just sort of started to focus on what what did I want moving forward? And was cooking still uh, a, a, a huge love for me? And did I still feel the same way when I was cooking that I used to when I first started? And I found that, yes, I still felt very empowered and happy and uh, creative and uh, and just like at peace when I was cooking. And so all of those revelations sort of ended up creating this book called Happy Cooking, which is why I named it Happy Cooking. Right. And I feel like it can be that for so many people, uh, a place of, of inspiration and a place of empowerment. And the recipes sort of go along with that, with uh, breakfast and snack recipes. And uh, a couple of my favorite chapters are Weeknight Warriors, which I think a lot of us are in, regardless of whether you have children or not when you're trying to make a very fast meal. And uh, slow cookers and crock pots have become sort of one of my staples just because I can put everything in into it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then when I come home at night, it, the house smells delicious and I have a hot <laughs> meal ready to go the minute we step in. Because once you, you have small children, you realize once they're hungry, there's no waiting. Right, like, right they now. Not, right. They have no patience. They want the food and they want it now. So it's a great way to have a meal ready to go. Yeah, and then, you know, my other favorite chapter is, is my uh, is my sort of, it's the chapter of where I feel like I sort of detox a little bit in the sense that after like a long book tour of several weeks on the road where, you know, you don't have as many choices of what to eat. You kind of have to eat whatever you find. Um, I take a moment to sort of relax and detox myself, you know, mm. just detox my system of yes. everything. And I have a great uh, detox broth that I make. Uh, that has chicken in it, some vegetables. So it's not about not eating. It's just eating really light uh, and soothing foods for your body that revive you and sort of, you know, reinvigorate you. I thought, uh, reading through the book, and I commend you, there is a very personal aspect to this book. And like you talk about, it it mirrors uh, parts of your life and what's going on now. But we've watched you for so many years um, smile and share this really beautiful warmth that I think comes through on television. And I would, uh, I would very much assume has been uh, a, a really wonderful part of your growing career in that you're very real. When I've met you in person, you come across that way. And the book really reads that way. This is what you ate today. 
And I loved that aspect of it. And I really like the wellness aspect of it. I have um, rabbit-eared almost every page in the book, just so you know, Giada. And um, I I loved um, the idea of you share really some terrific wellness tips. And when you talk about lifestyle, really what you've built your brand on, like you make Nutella milk. I could see (laughs) you eating or drinking Nutella milk. I really could. And the idea that you, you know, the ideas that you give us about um, substituting dairy and so on. um, I would like a glass of Nutella milk right about now, just for the record. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, nut milks are actually really easy to make. And I think people forget that and they're intimidated by it because it's relatively new and uh yes i mean do you need a lot of nuts to get the nut milk sure but they're actually quite easy to make and a lot of times people have to realize if they make it themselves then there's less fillers and sugars added to what you're adjusting and that's going to make a huge difference in the long run in your the way that you feel about your body for sure i wondered did you have eggs cacio e pepe is that the proper pronunciation for breakfast (laughs) yes you know that's and so that's just based on um on the pasta that is so popular that I used to have growing up, and my parents used to make sometimes um, eggs cacio pepe, but not for breakfast, for actually for dinner. Because in, in Italian culture, we eat eggs for dinner; we don't eat them for breakfast. But I swapped it because uh, my daughter eats a lot of eggs yes. uh, for breakfast, and so it's more of an American tradition. So I swapped it instead of eating it for dinner. I made it for breakfast. So that's mm. sort of how I, I tweak things around. Yeah, and I love that it has that Italian influence. I mean, you talk about how um, you love Sicily, and uh, I. Th- I think you've said it's one of your favorite areas of Italy to eat in and you're growing up uh, with an Italian culture and your time in Rome and so on. But there is definitely an Italian influence to your dishes morning, noon and night. Yes, Yes. for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, listen, I think um, I always say that I a lot of what I do is all all because of my upbringing. And if it wasn't for the way my family brought me up with food and culture and the respect that we have for what we, for what we eat and for my culture, uh, I wouldn't be who I am today. There's, there's no question. And I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I was not liking it. <laughs> I didn't like the fact that my parents spoke to me in Italian all the time. I didn't like that they only made Italian food. I didn't like it that my friends would come over and my mom would make uh, the pizza di pasta that's in the book right. um, with leftover pasta. And the, and my friends would look at it and be like, that's dinner? Are you having leftovers that? for dinner? Yeah, right. what is that? <laughs> yeah. So I was sometimes, even though I loved it personally, I was horrified a lot of the time. Hmm. And I also grew up in a time in this country where it wasn't as cool to be to be different to be it from somewhere else and, right yes it is nowadays but it wasn't then hmm. and i think and i think it made me like really as i've grown up really appreciate my parents in a way and my and my family in a way i didn't when i was younger sure. and uh hmm. and and i wouldn't i wouldn't have the success i have today without it so um hmm. you know it's, it's all about these foods being breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes. They really are interchangeable at the end of the day. And the new book is really a, a very beautiful personal connection to you, and I felt it in reading it, and I know that it will be another great success, your eighth, of course. But congratulations to you, and thank you for being honest and for you know giving us some insight into your life behind the cameras. It's um, I think it's a wonderful way for fans um, and food lovers to get to know you. 
And um, I know it's been a long time since you've been on this show, so I'm delighted to have you back. But I hope you'll come and, and check in again soon. Oh, I love it. Thank yeah, you. let's not wait another 10 years. No, let's you, not. Okay, Giada, I would like that. <laughs> I would like that very much. The book is fabulous. It's called Happy Cooking. And from the best-selling author and, of course, Food Network host, Today Show correspondent, uh, the girl we love to watch for her happy, lovely fabulous talent and style. She is Giada De Laurentiis, and she's picking up where Feel Good Food left off. This is, yes, the next cookbook you must have from Giada De Laurentiis. Ideas for every holiday, special occasion, casual weekend in between. It's Giada's 365 approach to cooking up a happy life. The book is available on Amazon.com. Do not miss it. Giada, continued success. I hope to talk to you soon. And uh, I hope so too. Thanks, yes. Jamie. Enjoy right. it. And hi to Jade. Talk to you soon. I will. Yes, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Giada. As the delicious conversation continues, we do have great names, great minds, and great culinary thinkers on this show. I know you're a Giada fan. That was pretty cool, right? She's a really great gal. There is more in your radio right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. We've got a game plan for your ultimate Thanksgiving feast. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Oh, how I love this gal. Her vibrant personality, her warmth, her love of food. And I am so delighted that she's stopping by again to dish. Carla Hall is here. She's the Chew host that you love, who blends her classic French training and her southern roots to create dishes that are full of fabulous hugs. And wouldn't we all like to sit down at her Thanksgiving table? Carla, I just invited myself to dinner at your house. Are you there? <laughs> Hi, Jamie. It's so funny because as you were talking, I'm like, I'm going to Jamie's house. No. I mean, you know, your, you know your way around the kitchen. Well, so thank you. That's very kind. Bouncing back at you. Well, thank you. I actually would really love to come to your house because I heard that you are switching it up this year a little bit. You're adding some of your health and wellness approach to Thanksgiving which after I read the amount of calories we consume on the day, I, I think you've got a, a really good idea in mind here. Well, I think the thing is, well, one, the holidays are very personal for people, so they want to hold them to, to their traditions. And yes. I think a lot of times what people want to do is bring in a bunch of stuff that is healthy, but it, it says nothing about the holidays. And so <laughs> what I am wanting to share with people is how you can make the switch but still have your traditions. I don't care where you're from. And, and, so, and, and that's key. So what I'm doing is, for today, for instance, I have these braised short ribs. And people will think, braised short ribs for Thanksgiving? But, you know, the turkey has beef friends. So I'm doing these <laughs> braised short ribs. Nice. I am seasoning them with salt and hearty herbs like rosemary and thyme. And then I let all the flavor get in there. And then I am going to sear them. And you know, Jamie, because you know your way around the kitchen, there's flavor in the brown, and this is where people need to take their time and sear these things. And your show is on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so this is actually something that people can do ahead of time. Yeah, which is wonderful, because I'm all about ahead of time. If you can sear everything off or get some side dishes done and into the casseroles, you, you have to plan ahead. It's the only way to enjoy the holiday. 
It's the only way to enjoy it, and I think it takes a lot of pressure off people to feel like they have to juggle everything. And, and you're already juggling the space on top of the stove, and you're juggling space in the oven. So right. this is something that you can actually do the day before. So after I, I let them sit overnight, if possible, and the salt and herbs, I sear them and so until they're brown. And then this is where I'm making the switch. So I'm using 100% Luana coconut oil, and then everything else is the same. So all the recipes that I'm going to talk about today are from my cookbook, Carla's Comfort Foods. Yes. But I just switch the oil, and, and that's the healthier thing that I'm doing. So then I take my onions, my onions go in the pan, and then so they are going in with whole garlic cloves. And because mm. this is a braised dish, you don't have to worry about cutting anything up. Which is so nice. Then I take a little bit of tomato paste to add that depth of flavor. Mm. I throw in some red wine, and then I pour in the beef stock up to the shoulder of the short ribs. Nice. And I put the top on, girl, throw <laughs> it in the oven. And that's and it. it's done. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's it. And then the, the next day you can heat it up. Mm-hmm. I happen to love coconut oil. I love the very, very subtle sweetness. I don't think it adds that inherent dessert sweet. It adds that sort of subtle, like you talk about depth of flavor, that other elements of roundness. And I love to cook with coconut oil. So you're subbing out for your olive oil, for your butter with coconut oil. Are you baking with it too? Yes. yes. You are. I even made these delicious cookies. I had these walnut cookies that um, that is a crust, but I use the coconut oil, and you can still taste the walnuts. So it's very subtle, and 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 I think people think coconut oil is going to taste like coconut. So like, I don't like coconut, so I'm not going to like the coconut oil. But like you said, it's a neutral oil, and I'm serving it with this compote of apples and cranberries. Mm. How do you how do you make your compote? Do tell. So I throw in the apples and the uh, I mean and I have a little bit of oil. Throw in the apples and the cranberries and cook them. I also make the cranberries in a simple syrup mm. so that they are nice and bright. And then I use that simple syrup for a mocktail. So oh, you're I love doing it. Two and one, right? Oh, that's fun. Okay, so do you get the sweet tart? Because I like my cranberry sauce to sort of cut through all the richness of the other dishes, right? And in a Southern style, I would think you like that, that sort of tart, pungent bite. Girl, do you know me? Yeah. I, you totally know me. You know I me. love the I, way you cook. I do. And when we got to spend some time together when you were in Southern California months and months ago now, no, I, your style is really, that's what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. It's like for me, and the reason I put the on the finished dish, the lemon and the parsley, because it cuts through the richness. I love a balance between sweet and sour, tangy. And, like, all of my food has that acidity that brightens up everything. And I think if people can learn anything, it's just to balance that out, to try to balance those flavors. So in this dish the, with the dessert, you use a tart apple, and you also have the tartness of the cranberries and just a little hint of sweetness, and, and then the roundness. You would not believe, Jamie, how crispy and light these cookies are. And it's actually made from leftover pie dough. So hmm, it, they are smart. so delicious and so light. Just the, the texture, that sandy texture that you get from shortbread. Yes. It's so delicious. Oh, I love a sandy cookie like that. Okay, Carla, we need to take a quick pause. There is more with Carla Hall of The Chew on coconut oil right after this.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, dishing on the virtues of coconut oil in sweet and savory dishes with the Choose Carla Hall. Okay, so are you using the coconut oil in the pie dough too? I mean, you're using coconut oil everywhere. Yes. You're baking with it. You're searing, sauteing with it. Uh, You're using it melted down if you're adding fat to, let's say, stuffing or, you know, like what we would drizzle butter on top of in place of, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Really smart. you're saving yourself all of that cholesterol. Yes. But what I'm also doing, did I talk about the fish already that I did? No, no, no. Do tell us about the fish. So I did a whole side of salmon and I'm taking three ingredients. This is is the easiest dish. And when... Again, if you plan your holidays right, you can totally do this well. So we talked about cooking ahead of time, but also you need those dishes that are going to, that you can make quickly but still make a a beautiful presentation. I have a side of salmon. I've mixed three ingredients. I have tarragon, Dijon mustard, and coconut oil. I've slathered that mixture on top of the salmon, and I'm going to throw it under the broiler, and the salmon is going to be ready in less than 20 minutes. Oh, that's fabulous. Tarragon, Dijon, and coconut oil. Yes. What a combo. I mean, bright, brilliant flavor. I love tarragon. And the Dijon and the richness of the salmon. Oh, I am making that. Oh, and I can't And then you wait. present it on a platter with these thinly sliced, shingled, lemons and a little bit of a bouquet of the tarragon and and it's so simple and so delicious and i think for that for that relative and you may not like their jello mold you might say hey what if you did the salmon this year that would be amazing i have a simple recipe right let me share it and you want them to- <laughs> that's very smart i love it okay and then leave us with the cocktail because i would love to toast you for thanksgiving you're using the cranberry simple syrup and what are you mixing it with and I mix it with ginger beer. Nice. And it's just so simple. And then I float some, cran- you can candy some cranberries, some of the cranberries from the dessert and float them in there. Lovely. And then you just make the people who don't drink feel like you thought about them and you're happy that they're there and you can do a toast with them. Yeah, that's a lovely mocktail. Are the recipes posted, Carla? Where can we find all your new resources? So the recipes are on luannacoconutoil.com. Okay, good. And you can see how versatile it is. Yeah, that's yeah. fabulous. Good. Well, I happen to, as I mentioned, love your recipes. I love anything with the word swamp in it because of you. Do you remember <laughs> Thank that? Thank you. The swamp thing. The yes, swamp yes, thing. Yes. yes which yes. you made very, very famous, no doubt, from, um, from your... Uh, from your success from on Top, top Chef, chef. Uh-huh. yes. And, um, yeah. and we love watching you on The Chew, and I think you share great knowledge and advice and expertise, and, um, and I'm really impressed. I, I think this sort of single-switch healthy swap will definitely make a difference for the holidays, and so we're all pro-coconut oil, and, um, and I'm grateful that you stopped by to dish. I wish you a wonderful meal, and I hope you'll come back anytime. You have a long-standing invitation, Carla, so please... Stop by that. again. Thank you, Jamie. Yes, of I course. I will. I will. And happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you so much. My best to you, Carla. I'll talk to you soon. She's Carla Hall, the chew host you love. Her cookbooks, Carla's Comfort Food, the favorite dishes she has from around the world, and Cooking with Love, Comfort Food That Hugs You. Inspiring, delicious dishes for every holiday. Stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll be right back.
Gain culinary intelligence right here and right now. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio as we're leading up to the great Thanksgiving feast. It seems as though every Thanksgiving, people ask the same question. What wine goes best with turkey? Well, as we all know, the turkey's sort of the least flavorful item on the table, right? It's the gravy and the stuffing that really count. So I asked my wine guru husband to weigh in, and I was actually quite surprised by his response over dinner a few nights ago. Here to shock you with his best red and white pairings for Gobble Day is Craig Bennett, my sweet and wonderful husband, a veteran in the wine industry, 25 years in fact, and the vice president for August Sebastiani's company, The Other Guys. Okay, baby, the real issue is all the side dishes, right? And this is what you and I talked about. What you want is a wine that goes equally well with Brussels sprouts and cranberry sauce and green beans. That's exactly right. It's hard to do. It is hard to do. But those are the Thanksgiving must-haves. So just in general, your philosophy on wine pairing, you and I do always agree that you should drink what you like no matter what. But but how do you pair with a great big feast or multiple courses? I think generally it comes down to its texture, its flavor, mm-hmm. its its finesse. And I think that there's so many flavors going on at Thanksgiving. Right that you need to pick wines that are able to hold up to all those different things that are there. And it's not an easy task. You and I talked about balance. I mean, nothing too big, too bold, too tannic, too acidic, too high alcohol, too thin. The parameters are getting, you know, tighter and tighter here. You want to enhance the seasonings, but still stand up to the bounty of the meal. So... Online, uh, when you talk to most wine aficionados, they would tell you that the sort of go-to easy pairing for Thanksgiving would be Sauvignon Blanc for white and Pinot Noir for red. That's right. But I love that you have a totally unique approach. So your number one top white wine pick for Thanksgiving this year is? Gewürztraminer. Gewürztraminer. Okay. Warm spice is what I think of when I think of Gewürztraminer. The name itself means spicy grape. Yes. So you do get warm spice, absolutely. And just give us a little bit of background on, as we call in the industry, Gewürz. So Gewürz has an interesting background, um, not only in France, obviously the origin. Uh, I think in, in Alsace, where it's from, you mm-hmm. could be made anywhere from uh, dry, off dry, and it could be made, made sweet and delicious in every sense. However, California... It's always taken sort of the back seat to a lot of the other varietals that are here, but it's absolutely delicious. And there are fine producers all over the state and all over the country from East Coast to West Coast. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful grape. I think um, food lovers are afraid of Gewürztraminer because it's perceived as very complex, right? Sometimes it has a really unique nose. It can be um, very green. It can have... Um, sort of um, petroleum off kind of bouquet. I, I think there's a lot of controversy about Gewürztraminer. Like it's almost you have to take a leap to drink Gewürztraminer kind of wine. I think it's fun. Yeah, I it think is it's, fun. It's uh, a wine that you can uh, enjoy, and it's completely different. Yet on the other, it, on the other side, it, it's wonderful 
to stay with it because it's always changing and it's super fun and the the mouthfeel is silky yes. and the finish is beautiful. Okay, so cooler weather growing areas are best for Gewurztraminer, right? You mentioned California, across the country, Washington, Oregon. If we're going to choose a Gewurztraminer, we can find one at good value. It certainly makes good Thanksgiving dinner conversation, right? And it's not just for Thanksgiving. It's year-round. It's wonderful. Sure. And just give us your top growing area. I would think you'd say Washington, Oregon. Washington, Oregon, uh, cooler parts of Northern California, and also New York. So there you have it. The final word on how you can round out your Thanksgiving feast with some really unique, inspired, and slightly different wines of choice. Uh, Think outside the box. Take the leap and toast to a wonderful year and a fabulous feast filled with family and friends and delicious conversation because now you are in the know. Petite Syrah and Gewürztraminer, 2015 Thanksgiving wine pairings, a la Craig Bennett, my wine guru husband. So that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration and delicious conversation. I believe that food is life, so create and savor yours, and that art comes in all forms. I just happen to love the form that you can eat. (laughs) I hope that I've inspired you to cook delicious dishes or at least rejoice in a glorious Thanksgiving feast. And I will leave you with my last bite for the end of this hour until next Sunday. There are dozens of ways to use up leftover cranberry sauce, like spooned on top of brie cheese with crackers or stirred into yogurt, and the list goes on. But have you ever made homemade cranberry Pop-Tarts? There always seems to be a bowl of cranberry sauce left on most Thanksgiving tables, so I say this year, claim it quick before anyone else has the chance to. For an extra scrumptious post-holiday experience, you use leftover pie dough or thawed frozen puff pastry and you cut it into rectangles and you place a big spoonful of cranberry sauce in the center and you cover it with a second piece of dough and you crimp the edges and then you place them on a parchment lined or a a silicone mat lined baking sheet and you bake at 350 until they're golden and delicious and then you eat the pop tarts for breakfast or dessert or both because they're sweet and they're tart and they're rich and flaky and they are so good. I will post my cranberry Pop-Tart recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And you'll find more, hopefully, delicious inspiration at ChefJamie.com. And of course, I'll meet you here next Sunday for more on this culinary playground. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen, wishing you and yours a truly delicious Thanksgiving holiday. I'm signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. 